Hey, Five Oaks family uh, and friends, and welcome to those of you who are watching on demand, online, or live. Today's really an important day in the life of our churches, uh, our church family. Uh, I've experienced four days like this one in the 23 years that we've been here. So if you're brand new with us, you'll find out later what that's about, but I think most of you uh, understand what that's about. So preparing for today's sermon, I remembered a surprising conversation that I had with my mom about 19 years ago. As most of you know, my mom died last August, and uh, she was a member of our church for about 18 years uh, until she wasn't, well, until she died from shortly after she came here. She was in small groups with uh, many of you that are here, and you knew her. And I love watching the video at the beginning of our, uh, if you go to our website, it's got a video going in the background. And I love watching that and seeing her in it, doing what she did week after week, which would be standing in the commons, talking to people that she knew, usually people from her small group or some of the staff that she knew, and, um, and just connecting, uh, just connecting with people. So 20 years ago, I flew down, about 19 years ago, I flew down to South Florida, and I drove her and her dog and her car back here. It was, I think, maybe the only cross-country trip that we ever took together. Um, we built an in-law apartment onto our house with the proceeds of her house that sold in the Miami area, and she lived with us, basically, for the last 18 years of her life. And on the road trip, my mother told me something that absolutely surprised me. I didn't see it coming, and for some reason, as I was preparing this sermon, I thought back to that conversation that I had with her. I wish I had asked her more questions. We never talked about it again after we got here. But what she told me is that before she ever went to church with me, uh, I had gone to church. I'd become a Christian. I started attending a church with a neighbor family. And before she ever came with me at my constant invitation, she had gone to a Billy Graham crusade and she had gone forward, gone down to the front and prayed to receive Christ. Now, that was a total surprise to me. And it was a total surprise for several reasons. One was that we were, before I started attending church with this family, and until she started attending church with me and became a Christian herself, we were a very unchurched family, completely irreligious. There was nothing uh, about Christianity except my baptism as a baby. That was, that was about it, and that was just something that I could see in pictures. There was no living expression of faith in our home. Second, how could she never have told me this before? We'd even gone to see Billy Graham uh, on Easter, I think it was on an Easter Sunday one time in Miami. But like I said, I didn't pepper her with questions when she told me this, and we never talked about it again, but it came to my mind as I was preparing for the sermon. I did some digging, and then I did some reflecting, and I really can't wait to share with you all uh, what, where my reflections led and how it relates to what we're experiencing today. So I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to take your Bible out. Uh, if you have it on your phone, take your phone out. Turn to 1 Chronicles 29. Those of you who are here, the Bibles are in the seat rack in front of you. You can grab one of those. Father, we ask that your word would hit the mark in our hearts today. Amen. In 1 Chronicles 29, you have David uh, with the leaders of Israel 
talking about giving to a fund that is going to build a temple. And the temple is not going to be built by David. God told him he cannot build a temple. But he said, your son Solomon is going to build a temple. And so they are having basically a capital campaign to raise funds for the temple. And we're going to read selections from 29 beginning in verse 1. Then King David said to the whole assembly, my son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Now skip down to verse 3. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my person, besides my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. And then he goes on to describe what that is. Pick up in verse 6. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. So first David, then the leaders gave, and then pick up in verse 9. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. All right, so... Uh, years later, the temple is built uh, by Solomon. Solomon prays a series of prayers very, you know, covering various subjects at the dedication of the temple. One of my favorites comes in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 uh, in that series of prayers where we read, As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name, and your mighty hand, and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. And he goes on. Do whatever the foreigner asks of you. Now this is, this is crazy talk. This is <laughs> such an interesting prayer. It's part of what I like about it. It's just outrageous. It says, as foreigners come to look at the temple because they've heard of your mighty hand and your great works, and they come and they bow down towards this temple and they pray, give them whatever they want. Now, that, that prayer was not answered with a yes, okay? But there's his heart, there's Solomon's heart. Give them whatever they want. So that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as your own people Israel, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. This is a prayer where Solomon is asking God to bless the nations, to fulfill the promise to bless the nations through the descendants of Abraham. If you've been a part of the series, you know from this blessed series from week one, that is um, what this is all built around. And it goes throughout the whole scripture, of course. So please watch uh, as we do a little review and talk about what we're going to look at today. Please watch the video with me. We've spent the last few weeks exploring how we in our personal lives, our lives with our families and friends and coworkers can bless our families and friends and coworkers, our neighbors, by pointing them to Christ and to his grace. It's hard to do that in a way that's natural, relational, and effective. So oftentimes we don't, we miss opportunities. So we've looked at several 
missional practices from Scripture, each of them represented by each letter of the word bless. These lead to sharing our faith in a way that's natural, relational, and more effective. If you do the bless practices, you'll have many opportunities to point people to Christ. And what you'll find is that in your lifetime, outside of sharing your faith with your kids maybe, you'll personally lead one, maybe two, maybe as many as three people to Christ. Very few people personally lead up to five or more people to faith in Christ. That's what you can do on your own, unless you're doing it vocationally as a pastor or in a campus ministry or something like that. One to three people in your lifetime is great success. So, how do you hear that number? I shared this idea a few years ago, and one of our members came to me and shared that that was one of the most discouraging things she'd ever heard from me. She didn't say it quite that way, but that was the gist of it. I told her that she maybe was an exception to the rule. Maybe she had such a passion for sharing her faith that she's going to be able to lead many more people than the average. And I said that, that for most of, most of us, that number is encouraging because as we look back on our lives, we don't see more than one, two, or three people outside of our family that we've personally led to Christ. It's encouraging to find out that we're not complete failures, uh, that, that that is the norm. But two or three in a lifetime uh, of doing the blessed practices can also be a little bit discouraging. After all, there are so many people far from God all around us, and we know many of them, and we care about them. All right. So, this is a bit of a problem. (laughs) Uh, But the one, two, or three people we lead to Christ is really only part of the story. And I think you might know already where I'm going with this. For one thing, as you do the blessed practices in your life, you're planting seeds. That many of those seeds are going to come to harvest later through the ministry of someone else. Uh, it's really important to, uh, to grasp this, this idea. Can I have the next screen, please? It's impossible to put a number on how many times you've been part of a series of links in a long chain that leads to someone's redemption and reconciliation with God. Be encouraged by that. Don't underestimate that reality in your own heart. But there's another aspect of this that I want to talk about today. It's going to be the focus of today. And it has to do with the primary way that we plant seeds when we help people find their way back to God. And for that, I want to return to my mom's story. As I said, my mom went back, uh, my mind went back to this conversation from back in 2001 where my mom had said that she had gone forward during a Billy Graham crusade. And I got curious as I was preparing this sermon, I got curious, so I looked up Billy, when Billy Graham had been to Miami, Florida, um, and I couldn't find anything. Then I looked at Milwaukee, because we lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for a while when I was a kid. Nothing. And I thought, maybe I didn't hear her correctly. Maybe she watched it on TV, and maybe going forward was being, you know, kind of like, I went forward type thing. But I was fairly certain that she had meant that she had gone to a crusade and that she had walked forward at the crusade. Um, So I went back to the dates in Miami and I found it. I just hadn't looked far back enough 
The year was 1961. She came to church with me at my invitation in 1969. And within a year of that, she became a follower of Christ. That crusade may have planted a seed, but it had no discernible impact on her life whatsoever. She, made a, she may have prayed a prayer on that day when she went forward, but it was only a moment for her. You understand, praying a prayer does not bring salvation, does not bring a relationship with Christ. It's, it has to be something that is genuine ask from the heart. And so it had been a moment for her, but there was no evidence that it was the beginning of a relationship with God, and she never would have described it, and she never did describe it. That's why I never heard about it. That means that this little church in Miami succeeded where the greatest evangelist of our time, Billy Graham, had failed. I liked saying that. <laughs> but it's nothing, it's not a knock on Billy Graham or even on evangelistic crusades. They have a role in the big picture, but this is really important. Rarely, okay, Rarely does anyone come to a faith that sticks apart from the ministry of a faithful body of believers that have, that have formed a local church. That's just a fact. That's just how it, how it works. The reality is that the most impactful way to do the blessed practices is to do them together as a church. It's not to downplay doing them personally at all. It's our calling to do the blessed practices personally. And it will have an impact, and it will bless others, and it will plant many seeds. But the most effective way is to do them together as well. But how do we do this? Let's watch the next video. How can we do the blessed practices together? I want to share two ways. Number one, engage in your local church. Engagement means serving, giving, and participating in community life. There were so many people who directly impacted my mom when she walked into Central Alliance Church in 1969. From greeters to people in the Sunday school class that she attended on that day to the Sunday school teacher of that class, they made my mom feel so welcomed and so loved that I didn't have to ask her ever again to, uh, to, to, to attend church with me. She wanted to go back. She, she'd never stopped going. It had been my experience as well as a kid without a father without ever meeting my dad, I almost immediately had new father figures in my life that mentored me throughout the rest of my years in that church until I graduated. But back to my mom, there were people in that church that maybe never had a meaningful conversation with my mom, but who impacted her coming to Christ because of their serving and their giving and their personal engagement in the community life that kept that church going and kept that church thriving. They had a part in pointing my mom to Christ. There were even people who no longer attended that church, who never met my mom, who helped start and build that church by serving and giving and personally participating in community life. And in that way, they had impacted my mom. There's a gal who's new to Five Oaks who went looking for a church online in the midst of COVID. She has jumped in with both feet into our discipleship pathway. She described herself as basically in church before coming to Five Oaks and said that she had tried other churches but always felt like she didn't really understand the lingo or really how to break into the church. In other words, she didn't feel welcome to come and to explore. There weren't people to walk her through it. She came to Five Oaks online for four weeks before signing up for Coffee Talk with the pastors and then came to one of our in-person services. And at Coffee Talk uh, online over Zoom, she told us, 
that if not for COVID, she's not sure she would have ever been looking for a church. All of that and so many stories like that are made possible because of you, all of you who give and serve and participate in the community life of our church at Five Oaks. There are people who gave and served and participated in our community life over the years that are no longer with Five Oaks that made her story possible as well. This campaign we're in right now is about retooling and refreshing areas of our property and of our building for ministry's sake. The parking lot, we've said it a million times, it's in terrible shape. The gym retooling will serve our kids on Sundays, will serve our guests' kids. It'll serve the 120 middle and high school students and growing in numbers that are coming on Wednesdays. And our whole church community is going to be served by that gym and the surrounding community in many ways. Strengthening our financial foundations will ensure continuing ministry in this building, this ministry tool that we have. I'm so thankful for that for what we can do online, but very few people will be reached in the way my mom was reached and you were reached with only online ministry over the long haul. Online ministry has to be coupled with in-person ministry over time to make new and growing disciples. All of you who still need to stay online because of COVID will eventually need in-person ministry and COVID won't last forever. Strengthening our financial foundations is crucial right now. This campaign is about doing the blessed practices together. And that's why we've been asking those of you who call this your church home to pray about your involvement. In a few minutes, we'll go over the materials that are on your chair for those of you who are here or those of you who aren't here, you will be receiving these materials and you're gonna be taking them home and you're gonna be praying through this. And we're gonna ask you, take this home, talk about it as a family and then pray how you might give and then follow the way that God directs you. All right, so that's the the first way. The second way that we can bless together is by remaining true to Christ, true to his word, and true to the gospel. So another way to put it is keep the main thing the main thing. If we're going to bless the world in the way that God has called us, in the way that Christ called us in his great commission, in the way that God called Abraham, the way we do it is by keeping the main thing the main thing. Here's where I did a little bit of further reflecting on my mom's story. I came to Christ through the invitation of a neighbor to go to VBS at his church in the summer of 1967. Then I attended church services with this family for about two years until Mother's Day in 1969 when my mother finally uh, joined me uh, at the church. If you know your American history or you're old enough like me, or I should say ancient like me, to have lived through that time here in the United States, you know that between my coming to Christ and my mom's coming to church with me, the leading Democratic uh, candidate for the presidency was assassinated. The leader of the civil rights movement was assassinated. Riots and demonstrations, the kinds of things that we're seeing today were happening over the Vietnam War. There was a sexual revolution. Uh, It was called the free love movement. And it was gaining traction, and it would change the entire landscape of our country, and not just of our country, of churches, of entire denominations. Just about every mainline Protestant denomination at that time started walking away from the teaching of the Bible, 
and bought into the sexual revolution. Denominations did. And since that time, these denominations have dwindled down to a shadow of what they once were. They lost their distinctiveness. And with that, they lost the authority of scripture in their lives. And with that, they lost the gospel. And with that, they lost their very reason for existence. The late 60s was a tumultuous time. A bunch of other churches stayed true to the moral universe of the Bible, but failed, really, utterly, deeply failed, to keep grace, the gospel, and the mission to bless the world central in their life together. They became cultural warriors, or they retreated into their own Christian huddles and subcultures, but in both ways, they walked away, oftentimes from the bless mandate. Even though I was very young, I remember vividly thinking, I don't know how my mom's going to fit in this church. Because I could see the landscape of these very, very conservative people. I think we were probably the first Cuban family in that church. And, and uh, my mom just had some lifestyle practices that I didn't think that they were going to buy into. And they surprised me over and over again because they just, they just loved her. They accepted her. And they kept the main thing, the main thing. Think about that. Think about today. So, we live in tumultuous times. And churches that have remained true to the gospel are facing massive challenges when it comes to keeping the main thing the main thing. Pastoral discouragement. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm feeling good. <laughs> Pastoral discouragement is at an all-time high because of the difficulties keeping the main thing the main thing right now. The Barna Organization, you've heard me mention them many times. They're like the gallop of Christianity. They've been surveying, doing surveys on pastoral health now for years, and the discouragement level, they say, is like nothing they've ever seen before. And then I've seen it with pastor friends. A pastor friend of mine is on the verge of quitting vocational pastoral ministry because what he says are two major issues in his church right now that are just discouraging him and are just causing him to ask the question, of, you know, what have I been up to all these years when I see this happening? The first is that some core families in his church, these are core giving, serving, engaged families, leading families, these core families have declared that they're not going to come back to church, to church services, if they're going to be asked to wear masks. Now, I get the arguments against being required to wear masks. I'm not making a comment on that at all. And I even sympathize with many parts of the argument. Personally, I do, with many parts of the argument. But there's no way to make a case that staying apart from your home church for that reason is keeping the main thing the main thing. The second thing driving my friend out of, um, out of ministry, I don't think he's going to leave, but is causing him to actually like, lay plans for the possibility, is that he can't speak, he feels he can't speak to race issues from a gospel perspective without being attacked by people in his own church coming from the left and coming from the right. And in his church, it's almost all coming from the right. I could talk for the next hour on this one. Church people are being radicalized. It's the only way I can put it. From the left and radicalized from the right, and they're forgetting to keep the main thing, the main thing, when thinking about and talking about race issues in our society. My, my friend also says that he wouldn't be surprised if the next shoe to drop would be something with regarding the sexual revolution. He would never have said that a year ago. I never would have said that about his church a year ago. COVID conditions combined with the internet and the dynamics of social media, I mean, all the evidence is out there. It's had deep impacts 
on our society and on Christians beyond our health. COVID has had some significant impact on our worldview, our ability to talk with each other, our ability to speak to the real issues that we're facing as a society in real ways applying the gospel to them. Where does this leave us at Five Oaks? Well, let me share some, just some important convictions um, with you. At Five Oaks, we're not gonna give an inch on the authority of scripture. We're not gonna give an inch on the centrality of the gospel and its application to current issues. We're not gonna give an inch to the biblical, to, on biblical sexual ethics or on biblical ethics at all. But we're not gonna give an inch winsomely, lovingly, and persuasively. And that last sentence is really, really important. Our church is not gonna become a huddle for culture warriors. It's not gonna become a place for contempt for people who even oppose our faith, much less for contempt for people who might oppose our personal politics. We're committed to living our lives um, counterculturally, missionally, lovingly, as exiles in a strange land. Following the mandate by Jeremiah in the Old Testament and then Peter gives the same mandate in the New Testament, we will seek to bless the city of our exile. We are in exile. We are in exile. Even to the point of ridicule and rejection. We will continue to be committed to lovingly and relationally and truthfully leading the next generation into a biblical understanding of life and the issues that we'll continue to face that we'll continue to face as our culture turns farther and farther away from some of the foundations some of the Jewish and Christian foundations and ideals that have helped shape even our current values we will continue to magnify the beauty this is really important the beauty and the goodness and the wonder and the truth of God's word and his instructions to us. I have a series that's gonna be starting, we have a series that's gonna be starting at the new year that if I were to tell you exactly what it is, your heads would roll back into your head and you go, you gotta be kidding me, that's gonna be so boring. (laughs) It's gonna be a series on systematic theology. (laughs) But it is not gonna be boring. And it's gonna be something that I'm really hoping, we'll be talking about it through the next month and a half, that will have a big impact on families and on the next generation as well. So please understand this. If you give to the Blessed Campaign, that's what you're giving to. That's the kind of church that you're giving to. That is what you're supporting. Now there's a ton more that I would like to say on this and I had a much longer sermon and this one's already too long as it is, but I'm gonna finish right there. I need to show you what's next as we take the challenge to pray about our financial involvement in this campaign. Then I have one more beautiful and inspiring story to share with you. Those of you who are online, you're not going to have the materials right now in front of you, but you don't need it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I have a video that I want to share with you, so please don't, don't, uh, don't shut this thing down, waiting for the materials. All right. Uh, on their chairs, as you came in, uh, there is a packet, a blessed packet, and there are several things in there, um, an envelope. Uh, we're not asking for you to turn this in today. We don't want it today. We want you to pray uh, about this. Very, very important. Uh, there's a, how your generosity works if you give a monthly or give annually if, or what monthly looks like annually. 
But the commitment card is really what I want you to look at right now. The brochure has the various aspects of what this campaign is about, just in case uh, you've missed uh, some things that we've been doing uh, in this series. But in the commitment card, as you look at the commitment card, uh, what you'll see is several places where you can put what your commitment is going to be. And you'll see that this uh, extends, it begins now, and it extends into January of 2023. It's basically a two-year campaign. Uh, and there's ways to give, whether you, you know, an initial gift before the year ends or committing for future years or that final month of the campaign. And uh, down there it explains that if you want to give stock sponsor securities, just contact us. You can do office at fiveoakschurch.org and we'll tell you how you can do that. And on the right side, a few things to understand. This is a 26th month campaign ending January 31, 2023. It's over and above. The next bullet says it's over and above your regular giving. And I would, I would go an extra mile and say this. It is over and above what you would have given had this campaign never have happened, especially when we come to you at the end of the year and say we are, we, and we are. We're behind right now compared to other years, and we need to end the year strong. And so I know I'll be giving on top of what I normally give, and we'll be asking people to do that as well. So I want you to know that right now. Um, this is confidential. Uh, it's treated in the same way that uh, there's basically one person that sees this. Uh, we, uh, you'll get a yearly accounting of where you are in terms of your commitment by that one person. And then this commitment is not binding. Your finances may change. Uh, don't, don't like, uh, you know, count on winning the lottery and giving out of that. But other than that, uh, just know. Just give, you know, make a realistic, uh, I don't know why I said that. Anyways. <laughs> uh, the question is, will you commit to pray and to discuss with your family what you will give to your home church in this campaign? In the tradition of David and the leaders of Israel giving first that we read in First Chronicles 29, uh, some of our families were asked, some of our leading families, uh, people who are leaders in service and leaders in giving were asked, not all of them, but many were asked to lead on this as well. Uh, we have, as Five Oaks, we have 400 households that give to Five Oaks. Um, and uh, 71 households have made an advanced commitment to the campaign. I'm very happy to tell you that right now in our campaign with those 71 commitments, the total of the commitments is $925,000. So we are more than halfway there and um, toward our financial goal. And that's with 20%, less than 20% of the families that give to Five Oaks. Another very important goal in any, in any campaign like this is wide participation. It's our church. It's not only needed to reach the goal, it's important for us as a church family and it's important for your own family. These campaigns, I've talked to many, many of you and you know, those of you who've been around a long time, these campaigns are spiritual uh, catalysts in your life and in the life of your family because of the conversations you've had around this. It's, we're sitting in the results of past campaigns like this. 
it's important to do this as a family, and it's important to do this joyfully, and it's important to do it willingly, and it's important to do it wholeheartedly. Another goal of the campaign is hard to measure, but the, the goal is wholehearted commitment to Christ and to his mission. But one indicator of that is how many people I've heard personally, I mean like never before, how many people were applying the B from bless. Begin with prayer. I can't tell you how many people just in regular conversations just become part of our conversation to say, yeah, so um, one of my top five, I had lunch. One of my top five, I got an email. And I can't tell you how the joy that that brings um, in me knowing that we're praying like this. I've never experienced it like that in my 23 years here. We have 925,000 towards a goal of $1.7 million with less than 20% of our committed families, people who already give. Will you celebrate this? And then will you join us in praying? And then will you follow God's lead? All right, the video that I promised, I want you to look at what it looks like when we bless together. Video is one of our, one of our Five Oaks families. And uh, one little piece that didn't get into the video because of just the, the editing process uh, is that their first time they attended here was for our fall fun fest. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago. So let's, uh, let's watch the video. And my name is Legiani. And we're the Vieira family. We met at church in Brazil um, and we moved here four years ago. Um, that's about when we started looking for a church. Uh, we are originally from a Presbyterian church in Brazil and we're really looking for a church where we could um, serve and it was a church that could be family oriented. That's how our church were. And when we arrived here, it was great, everything was new, but we tried to find a church. It's not like ours because we will not be the same but, and, and for us, but it was hard to start, uh, start to uh, new friends, new culture, new language. So it was hard and we spent, I think, two years yeah probably two years try to find and and now it was different because it's not just for us we start to looking for a church for our kids too and they're calling us yeah <laughs> oi Gigi just <laughs> and so we were praying for a church and we asked uh, to God, oh, we would love a church that we can grow our kids in faith and a place that can recognize the girls from... from Just Know their names. Know their names. And I said, oh, I would love, because in Brazil our church is so small and everybody knows each other. And, and we prayed and I forgot about in last summer. We went to the playground and I saw some women from Five Oaks, but I didn't know if they will recognize me. And she said, you know, I remember you and your daughters. And is Giovanna her name? 
meu, yeah, this is Giovanna. And when I arrived at home, I said to him, and 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 I said, oh, you know, someone recognized, and we know it's, it's we have different names, not Anderson, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we have different names. It's hard to not common names. Yeah, here. it's not common. And he said, you know, we prayed for this, and there was a God, a God's our answer, response. Yeah, yep, right there. And we all feel, oh. This is true. So that's when we, we started taking more and more serious about which church to go and uh, and we decided to attend the, the story of God. Mm-hmm. It was a mind-blowing experience. I, I grew up in church, like I said, and still uh, I learned a lot. Yeah. End to end, uh, it, was, it was great to, 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 to understand more of the connections between the Old Testament and the New Testament. You shared the story of God with our our church in Brazil. Right. So last year we went to Brazil and Anderson bought some books yeah. and we shared there. We've been talking a lot more about how we can be a blessing to our neighbors and mm-hmm. um, intentionally uh, approach them and serve them and, and meet together. That That's something that we always did in Brazil to open our houses for and have dinners with, with friends. But that's when we decided, okay, we're, we're gonna stay in this church and and, uh, and the next step was to serve because we were very active uh, in Brazil. So we decided, uh, I decided to to go back to, to the worship ministry where I, mm-hmm. I used to go uh, and, and, and serve uh, since I was a youth. And I, I, I took my joke with her because when I'm serving, she is working yeah, a lot I, I, more I than me. Ser- yeah, I am serving too. I feel like because of the kids. With the kids, yeah. <laughs> God has been taking care of our story on the small things, and it, it it might seem small, but when when God touches and brings his his answer, that's when we we understand how great of a God we have mm-hmm. that can provide beyond our needs and even into the small little things that would uh, give us peace of mind that we are, we're their children. Yeah. Thank you, Five Volts, for being such a blessing to us. Yeah, thank you so much. Say thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, all of that to say, please take home this material, read it, uh, pray, consider, follow God's lead uh, as to what you will do. All right, we're going to move into our time of response. Of course, our response just begins here. It uh, continues after we leave here. But one of the ways that we spend time together is by remembering this incredible blessing that God brought to us. That his son would come, enter this earth, God would become a man, and he would go to the cross, and he would die on our behalf for the sake of our sins, taking the wrath of God against sin on himself. Let's eat together, remembering his body broken for you.
his blood. Jesus took the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood. Drink this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you are and that we bless because we have been blessed. And then, incredibly, we are blessed again simply by blessing. Remembering it's better, it is greater to give than to receive. The blessing is even greater. It makes us happier. It fills us more. Father, help us to live our lives that way. With everything. With our homes, our lives, our times, our time, our meals, our interactions with people. May we share of ourselves and our lives, putting you first and letting that guide all of our decisions and all of our interactions. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.